0: A lot of fun things happening here today. A lot of good stuff happening around the church. It's fun, to, uh, it's fun to be able to see these guys here. I was talking just the other day with a person who uh, doesn't typically attend our church, but they often watch our worship services online. And so uh, they were saying, how many kids do you have down front there on those waterways? I said, there's a lot. They said, there's, I don't know how you guys fit them all in. I said, well, we don't. We just kind of make it work. But it's really fun to, to be able to see that. Um, it's been a blessing to be able to worship together this morning, to be able to sing together, to be able to look forward to baptism. I wanted to give you another prayer update. Um, late last night, uh, I got a call for, or I got a text from Andy Engel. Uh, Andy's son, Peyton, was driving the tractor on Wednesday that, uh, that was run into, and Peyton's friend, Mason Ellingsworth, was riding along with him. They were in fairly large tractor, covered cab tractor, um, uh-huh. They were making a left turn, and a driver didn't realize what was going on, went to pass them, hit the tractor. The tractor rolled over. Peyton, who was driving, was okay, Um, but both of the boys were 16. Mason, who was uh, in the buddy seat, the second seat there in the cab of the tractor, um, when the tractor rolled over, Mason was pinned in such a way, uh, his legs were caught. And um, Mason uh, then, later this week, had um, parts of both legs amputated. One leg was amputated above the knee, one leg below the knee. Uh, And I believe that surgery happened on Thursday, Thursday into Friday. Um, And so Mason's a a local boy uh, from Cochranville as well, but uh, got got an update from Andy last night. And uh, what he said was that um, Mason is recovering well from his surgery. His breathing tube is out. The doctors have lowered his sedation because he's been doing very well. Um, Andy and Peyton got to talk to Mason last night, and he said he's got a super positive attitude about what has happened, um, about the rehab that he's going to have to go through, and and there's some really fantastic God stories uh, that are there that you'll have to hear about at another time, because those stories are not mine to tell. Um, So please keep praying for Mason. Uh, He's not a young man from our church, um, but we know the family, we know the neighborhood. Uh, please keep praying for Mason, and I wonder if uh, he's having another surgery today. He was uh, One of the things that happened is while he was, uh, while he was pinned, there was a lot of diesel fuel, diesel fuel that was spilled, and so infection and all that stuff is just a factor. And so I wonder if we could take a moment. I'll be honest, you, I don't know Mason. I don't think I've ever met him, and most of you haven't either, but I think our prayers matter. And um, let, let's, let's pray for Mason. Would you pray with me, church? Lord, we lift up Mason and his family right now. Lord, I don't know what his body needs, but we pray that you would deliver it. Your timing is good, Lord. We know that your timing is good, and you will work out your purpose. We trust you in this. But Lord, we give Mason to you, and we ask... We ask that you would heal him well. We ask that you would keep his body free from infection. We pray that you would help his body to adjust to the surgery, and Lord, as he looks forward to a lot of rehab, I pray that you would help him to continue to have the kind of positive attitude that he's shown so far. I pray that you'll give his body, especially his legs, give him strength to be able to learn how to walk again, to learn how to be able to get around, and to be able to, um, to live out all the callings that you've put on his life, and Lord, I pray that as he makes all of the mental and emotional adjustments that go along with this, I pray that you would give him strength and resilience and I pray that he would find a deep faith in you to carry him through. I pray for the Engel family as they support him, and as there's just all of the details to work through. Lord, I pray that you'll bless them, and Lord, I pray that you would stop gossip so that there would just not be any extra drama or static added by people saying things that are not true or helpful. And so, Lord, we ask for you to please help, but we lift up Mason now. And I would ask, congregation, just take a moment in your silence, lift up whatever prayer seems appropriate to you, and then we'll say amen in a moment. So go ahead, congregation, and pray as seems fit. Lord, we lift Mason to you, and we say thank you for the protection so far. We ask for more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you, uh, before I get into this sermon, I'm going to ask you to pray for two more fellows, friends of mine. Um, their situation is maybe not quite as urgent, but they're um, pastors who are facing opposite situations today. Uh, first of all, at Andrews Bridge Christian Fellowship, which is just about eight miles from here, up on Route uh, 896, north of, north of Route 10, um, Scott Phillips is being installed as the pastor there today. Scott's a, a fellow grew up in the Quarryville area, and so he's going to be their pastor. And and so pray for Andrews Bridge Christian Fellowship and Scott Phillips as he begins being the pastor there. And I'm going to ask you also to pray for uh, Sandy Hill Community Church, which is up north of Parksburg. Um, Today is Pastor Dave Klingensmith's last day there. He has resigned, and he's going to be going on to do some other work. Um, But pray for Pastor Dave as he preaches his final sermon Scott Phillips, as he preaches his first, pray that the mission at Sandy Hill and at Andrew's Bridge both continue. These are sister churches of ours, and and we continue to keep them in prayer. All right, all of that. um, Thank you for this extended prayer time. I'd like to look at some scripture with you for a minute, a few minutes, a couple minutes. Mark chapter 7, and we're going to look as we continue to study through the book of Mark, um, we're going to continue to see the story of Jesus unfold. Who was he? What did he do? How did he act, and what did he teach? And so the stories continue. We've seen through the first six chapters of Mark, that Jesus, is, his ministry is growing. People are beginning to know who He is. There are so many people following him that they are trying. He and his disciples are trying to get away from time to time, just to have some quiet time and to pray. And Jesus, his ministry has been so effective, so powerful and so spirit-led that it is invoking the kind of responses that we might expect. It's invoking some people to think that he's just the greatest thing, right? He is the Lord, and certainly they are praising him, they're lifting up. Some people even want him to be king. They love him that much. But not everyone is responding that way. There are are some who are responding with equal ferocity, saying this man is not the son of God. This man is the devil. This man is a blasphemer. And in fact, they are conspiring to kill him. And so now in Mark chapter 7, we pick up Jesus' interaction with some of these. In Mark 7 verse 1, it says the Pharisees, these Pharisees, these were a, um, one of the groups of Jewish uh, kind of leaders, but certainly Jewish followers of God. The Pharisees were really good. They knew the rules. That was their main thing was we've got to make sure that we act right. And they tried to make sure that every single rule and every single standard was followed. And they were really serious about others doing the same. That was a big part of their religion. And not all of the Pharisees were hypocrites. There were plenty of Pharisees who were seeking God with all their heart. And and in fact, Jesus, they responded to him well. But there was a group of Pharisees. Well, let's just see the story. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. I like this little parenthetical that follows because really that, that sounds pretty basic, doesn't it? Eating with unwashed hands. I mean, have any of you ever done that? I, I do from time to time because it keeps the immunity up. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, Sometimes there's just a sandwich there. And, but I like this little parenthetical that follows. In verse 3, this is kind of explained to us. Mark kind of takes an aside and says... The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. That's good to know sometimes, right? It's kind of good to know why, does this, why did this matter to them. Okay, the Pharisees, all the Jews wash their hands. Verse 4, when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. Now, that may sound typical to you as well. You wash your cups, your pitchers, and kettles. You have your dishwasher. And especially now in these last couple of years, people are more, more concerned about hygiene and all that kind of stuff. And we might say, well, of course. But, but these guys were not doing this for their health. They were not doing it just because of courtesy for others. They didn't want to spread their germs. No, they were doing it because what does it say? This is the tradition of the elders. This was what you did if you were to be right with God, okay? Okay. So verse five, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? You see the language here? Pay attention to this. Look at this language. Legalists and hypocrites often do this, right? Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? It's not just dirty hands. Or just, why don't your disciples honor God by washing their hands? No, why don't they honor the tradition of the elders by washing their defiled hands, right? There's that twist in there. You can see where they're coming from. Jesus replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. (laughs) He, He just came right out. Remember, Jesus can see people's hearts. He is the son of God. He's not just some guy. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. This is Jesus speaking to them and you can hear echoes in there. Jesus is quoting Isaiah 29, which Ross read for us just a few moments ago this morning. Jesus speaks to these Pharisees and he gets right to the point of the matter. He says, look, You guys are so focused on all the rules that the elders and the people have made up. You're so focused on that that you have forgot about the real commands of God. These people are doing things, they're washing hands, and they're demanding that everyone else do it without even really knowing why it happened. You see what Jesus says, you've let go of the commands of God. Instead, you're just following all of these traditions. And by this time, in Jesus' lifetime, I mean, there are 1,300 years since the Ten Commandments and all the Levitical laws have been delivered. There are 13 centuries worth of human additions and traditions of the elders and teachings that have just been added in over the years so that now it's not just enough to believe God and to, to follow God and to trust God and to live your life for God as best you possibly can and then let Jesus take care of the rest. No, it's, you better wash your hands too. Jesus says, you hypocrites, you honor me with your lips, but your heart's far away. See, lips are, are words. How many of you recognize that words are easy to manipulate? They're easier for some of us to manipulate than others. But I mean, all of us have been lied to, right? This is a fantastic overlap with the Sunday school lesson that Gene taught this morning about trust. You know it's easy to lie. It's not easy to get away with it, but it's easy to lie. You know that you've been lied to. Lips can be just words, but here Jesus also connects their lips to their food. You honor me with what you eat, the way that you eat. But he says your teaching is canceling out your worship Watch this, teachers and parents and Christians. Don't let the details overwhelm your heart. And then in verse 9, it says, and he continues, speaking of Jesus, it's like he comes back, and another thing, right? You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions, because who were the elders of Israel? For Moses said, honor your father and mother and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. These are the words of Jesus as he quotes the Old Testament. But you say that if anyone declares what might've been used to help their father or mother is Corbin, that is especially devoted to God. Then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many things like that. Here, Jesus just gives an example. This is not the only thing that they were doing, but basically the 10 commandments say, honor your father and mother, look after them. There had been traditions over these 13 centuries that came up that said, well, if you dedicate your life to God, and if you dedicate your money to God, then you can give all of your money to the temple and you don't have to help mom and dad anymore. Jesus is saying, what are you guys doing? You're making up all these new rules in your attempt to be devoted to God and you're forgetting the basics, right? Again, verse 14, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everybody, and understand this. So he's had this little argument with the Pharisees. He's telling them, you've done this thing, this Corbin thing, and all kinds of other stuff like it. Now he talks to the whole crowd. Hey, everybody, everybody. Listen, understand this. Verse 15, nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. Underline that in your Bible. Because we have a problem with this today. More on that later. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. Now, there's an interesting little thing in Mark 7.16. How many of you are looking at a Bible that has Mark 7.16 in it? Raise your hand if you're looking at a Bible and and you can see the little number 16. How many of your Bibles also have words after that little number 16? Raise your hand if if you have, uh, a lot of your Bibles are skipping from Mark 7.15 right to 7.17, right? How many of you, raise your hand if the Bible you're looking at has a 7.16 in it? Okay, somebody who has text, read for me. What's that? It doesn't, it doesn't have words, Rubens. Does anybody have words in it? Debbie, what does your Bible say in, in uh, Mark 7 16? Everyone who has ears to hear must listen. Everyone who has ears to hear must listen. Now, Jesus says that a number of times, and there have been arguments over the years as. Wait, did Jesus say that here, or did he say it there, or what? A fun thing this afternoon: when you go home and you wake up from your nap and you've got all that fresh energy and it's not supper time yet, look up. Just, just type into your Bible search app, whichever one you prefer. Just type in Mark seven sixteen and see the argument. There are some translations today that include that. It's a biblical phrase. It's an appropriate phrase. There are just some scholars who say, but Jesus didn't say it here. Others say, well, he did. We're just going to put it in there. That's kind of a weird thing. It's kind of a weird thing, but that's not the topic today. It's just one of those little details. We don't want to get hung up on human opinions, right? Isn't that what this passage is about? So let's bop down to 17. You can figure out 16 today. Send me a text or an email or a phone call this week if you want to talk about some more. But verse 17, after Jesus left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. They were not too proud to ask in person. Are you so dull, Jesus asked. Verse 18, don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. And in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. This would have been a big deal for Jewish folks. They had all kinds of rules, some of which were very clearly spelled out in the Old Testament law and in Leviticus and Deuteronomy and and all the laws of Moses. But now Jesus says, look, I am the son of God. I am the one who helped to write the laws. I'm going to clarify them for you now. No longer are these dietary laws in effect. Jesus says, eat what you want. Eat what you want. That's probably something that we can keep in mind today. Because there is a sort of legalism happening in our culture around food that has nothing to do with the traditions of the elders and washing their hands. But how many of you have a certain opinion about what kind of food people ought to eat? Don't raise your hands. But there would be a lot of you. Now, if you have a certain opinion about, you know, I follow this diet and I follow this plan, And I don't eat that kind of food. And I certainly won't eat that junk. Hey, if that's how you're living your life because you want to be healthy or you feel like that's the most faithful way for you to live your life, fantastic. You have fun with that. You eat when you want to eat. And you eat the things that you want to eat. Now, don't exploit other people. Don't rob other people to do it. Be conscientious about where your food is coming from. Eat healthier stuff rather than junkier stuff. It's just generally better for you. But make sure that you don't start to believe that there is some diet plan or some type of food that God says that you have to eat today. Very clearly here in Scripture, and God hasn't changed it since Mark recorded it. Jesus says, Look, what you're eating is not what defiles your heart. Maybe what you're eating isn't going to be good for your gut. But Jesus says, if you want to be clean with God, it's not about what you're eating. And so this is a good lesson for us to just be very careful. Do what you want. Be careful what you expect others to do. Be really careful like that, especially you natural folks. I'm cheering for you. Way to go. Good. Do your thing. But don't tell anyone else that this is the way they have to do it. You cannot do that. According to scripture here, Jesus says, look, everything is clean. Hey, moderation, right? Moderation and wisdom. But one more little side note before we get back in. I've heard a few people over the years, some of these are dietitian type folks, some of these are medical-type folks, and almost all of them have something to sell. But what I've heard some people say is something like this. Our world has everything we need to be healthy, so don't try so hard to find, find this herb or this thing because God put everything out there so that our bodies could be whole. I've heard some variation of that argument. I want to say that is not true. Let me tell you why. Because originally when God built the Garden of Eden and God built this earth, he placed man and woman there and it was perfect and it was whole. But then there was a time, and you can read about this in Genesis 2 and 3, there was a time when humanity sinned and God removed them from the garden. And the consequences were not just for them, but the consequences were for all of creation. And what does it say that happened to the earth? A curse was put upon the earth, which the earth is still under today. The ground that we stand on is under a curse. What does that mean? It means that now there are weeds, and there didn't used to be. It means now that there is death, and there didn't used to be. It means that things don't function the way they used to do. And so in the Garden of Eden, certainly everything was there for Adam and Eve. But we are not in the Garden of Eden, and the Garden of Eden is not the ground that we're walking on. So be careful, be careful about the demands that you place on others. You, do what you want to do. Great. Have fun. Jesus says you have freedom to eat that. Be careful that you don't get judgmental, because that's a big piece of what Jesus is talking about here, right? He's saying, you Pharisees, you're getting super judgmental about everybody's hearts. Now, what you think you're doing is talking about their hands, but he says, you guys are are just putting people down. You're saying, well, they must not be following God because of what's on the outside. He says, no, you're following God is on the inside. Now, that should be reflected on the outside, but don't let it just be about traditions of elders and things that people say. Make sure it's based in scripture. This is why Jesus goes back and quotes Isaiah. It's why he goes back and he quotes Moses. Eat what you want, but watch your heart. God wants our hearts. Yes, when he has our hearts, our bodies will follow. When our hearts are aligned with God, we will will live the way that we're supposed to live if we're perfectly aligned with him because our hearts drive the whole thing. Our hearts drive our minds. Our hearts drive our convictions. Our hearts drive our actions. Jesus says, some of you guys are, are thinking just all about the actions. You don't even care about the heart. And let me ask you, you people that are married, do you just want your spouse to do the things you want them to do, or do you want them to actually like you? I want Melanie to actually like me. Right? I want her heart, not just her words, not just the meal. Jesus is calling, and we're going to see this over and over as Mark continues to unfold, and as these people keep coming against Jesus, criticizing him for the way that he's living, the way that his disciples are living, Jesus is saying, look, make sure that all that you're doing is based on what God really said and not just on the rules and laws of people. Right? Today, we have people here in this room who have made a commitment to Jesus already in their lives saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. They've made a commitment to Jesus already that has made, Jesus, uh, that made it a reality that Jesus is their Savior. They've, they've asked for God to forgive them of their sins. They've committed their lives to him. And so they are now in this place where they're saying, Jesus, I give you my heart. Take it and guide me where you will. This is what's happening today. And so right now, I'm going to invite all of those who are getting baptized um, and who are becoming members today. So we have, um, let me just make sure that I, I get my list right. Today we have Paige Conant and Carrie Davis and Jim Holton and Joyce Holton and Braylon Zander who are going to be baptized. And then Drew Conant is transferring his membership. He had been baptized already um, and so uh, as an adult, and so uh, he's not getting baptized, but he's kind of just saying that this is his spot um, where he wants to worship and serve. And so um, I'm going to invite all those folks who are uh, getting baptized today and, and Drew uh, to come forward, and they're going to share their testimonies. Why? So that you can get to know them so that you can hear what God has been doing through their life, and so that you can understand a little bit more of how they got to this place where they're saying today, I'm getting baptized at Waterway Church. So right now we're going to do those testimonies. After they share their testimonies, we're going to sing a final song, and the kids are going to come back in, and then we're going to do our baptisms. Okay. So you guys that are getting baptized and sharing your testimonies today, would you please come forward and, and join me up here near the stage? I'm a pastor. I'm not a roadie, but I'm trying. If this falls over, I apologize to everyone. (laughs) Is it on? Wow. Yes. Braylon and Carrie, Paige, that's all right, and Joyce and Jim. I'm so excited that you're here today, and I wanted to ask you just a couple of questions. As as we kind of go ahead, and then you guys will share your testimony. So this will help you to warm up, okay? Because I know there's sometimes a little bit of nerves. This this will help you to get out some easy words, okay? Um, Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is God's son, and do you receive him as your Savior and Lord? If so, say, I do. Mm -hmm. And will you turn away from all sin, and will you, with God's help, live according to the teachings and example of Jesus? If so, say, I will as you unite with this church body, will you worship, serve, and share in its programs? And will you support this church with your prayers, your attendance, your offerings, and your service as God gives you strength? If so, say, I will. And do you promise to live and share with us in Christian fellowship, giving and receiving Christian love, sharing in one another's joy and pain? If so, say, I do. So I'd like to know a little bit about your stories. And so in whatever order you'd like, I'm going to invite you to come forward and just share your testimony, okay? So why don't you come forward when you're ready? Oh, you're in the front of the line, so you got to go first, Bray. All right. Um,
1: my name is Braylon. I am 12 years old and have been going to Media Waterway since I was two. I accepted Jesus into my heart when I was eight years old, and I am getting baptized because I believe Jesus died on the cross for us, and he is our Savior.
0: Thank you, Braylon. Yeah, go ahead.
2: (laughs) My name is Carrie Davis, and I am 13 years old. I have grown up in a Christian family my whole life, while also attending Andrews Bridge Church for the first few years of my life, and then attending Media Waterway since. I asked Jesus into my heart at a young age. I'm getting baptized today because I believe Jesus Christ is my Savior and died on the cross for my sins. There are a few uh, important people who have led me to where my faith is today. My mom, dad, and siblings have taught, shown, and guided me through my faith. My dad being one of my biggest role models and probably inspiring me the most in life, teaching and showing me every day how God can work in your life through anything. Through cows in his jaw, my dad has been one of my biggest inspirations, not only in my faith, but my life. My best friend Callie has also been one of my biggest influences in my faith. Attending youth groups, missions trips, school, or just hanging out in the hay barn together has strengthened our friendship and our faith. Whenever things get rough, I can always turn to her for reassurance that Jesus is always with us. She's a reminder to me that Jesus brings true friends into our lives and that you should never lose them.
0: Thank you, Carrie.
1: Good morning. My name is Paige Conant. My husband, Drew, and I have been attending Waterway since October of 2020. Drew is working today, so unfortunately, he couldn't be here. But I'm thankful that my mom and dad are here on stage with me and that we are getting baptized together as a family. Drew and I both grew up in Christian households and have maintained our faith throughout our entire lives. Drew grew up in the Nazarene Church, and I grew up Presbyterian. Both of our parents are amazing Christian examples and we're so thankful to have them in our lives. I was baptized as a baby and accepted Christ into my life at a summer Christian camp around the age of 12. Drew was baptized when he was 10 years old and accepted Christ into his heart then. I can remember two distinct God moments that led us here to Waterway. I first heard about Media Mennonite building a new church through caring for one of my hospice patients. That little seed of knowledge stuck with me, and when I passed the church building when it was built a couple years later, I felt God leading us here. Drew and I have been attending, had been attending a new church for about five years, but never quite felt at home there, despite being involved in community activities and a small group. It was really through the pandemic that we felt God leading us to find a new church home. I was definitely a little nervous about Waterway that first Sunday we came. Not only did I never think we would attend a Mennonite church, (laughs) but I was also nervous about wearing a mask. Would anybody notice us? Will we just blend in with half of our faces covered? Fortunately, that did not happen. Jesse introduced himself to us right after the service. Arlene got my entire life history out of me within five minutes of talking. And Chad and Lara Stoltzfus took us out to lunch, where they so graciously let us ask them questions about the Mennonite church and how the Mennonites live out their faith. We were so overwhelmed by how welcoming everybody was, and I immediately told my parents that they needed to come with us the following Sunday. Hmm. Drew and I joined a small group within just a few months, and what a blessing that has been. The power of community and prayer has been a tremendous blessing on us over the last year and a half. Drew and I had trouble conceiving, and our small group upheld us, loved us, and prayed for us week after week as we navigated a really difficult time. We are happy to share that I'm just two weeks away from my due date with our first baby boy. Last year, our group had no infants, and by September of this year, there will be five new babies in our group. <laughs> God is good. Yes. In the last couple of years, God has really been teaching me that it's his plan and not mine, and his plan is good. It may not turn out how I thought it would or be in the timing that I wanted,
2: but I need to relinquish my control and trust in him fully.
1: We are choosing to join Waterway because we feel this church's foundation is built on biblical truth, and it's filled with a congregation that strives to live more like Jesus.
3: Thanks, sorry. I'm going to cry. I'm crying before I even get started. Um, That's hard to follow. Um, I, too, was... um, Baptized as an infant, but I accepted Jesus in Sunday school when I was probably about six or seven years old. Um, unfortunately, we—I—I I, I called my Christian my family a Christian family, but they didn't take us to church on a regular basis. So I don't feel like I got the um, biblical foundation to really live a good Christian life when I was a young young kid. So. In about the my early, mid-20s, I was feeling God calling me back to church. So I did go back to church, and I have been faithfully going to church ever since. It just wasn't here. It was at a different church who um, I grew up in and my family went to forever, but we had um, some difficult split. And caused us to leave, to go find a different church, which is how we ended up here. And I can echo what Paige said about Waterway. Um, After I started going back to church is when I met Jimmy. We got married. We had three wonderful kids, one who's here. My other daughter is in the back, and my son goes to another church. We have two grandsons and one more coming. (laughs) Um, And one of my goals as A mother was to teach my children about Jesus. Them accepting the Lord as their personal savior was the highest goal I had for my children. And I can happily say I believe the Lord accomplished that. (laughs) Mm. Um, When, shortly after we got married, life was good for a while, um, but then, you know, life takes over, the pressures of raising kids, having your own business, the bills to pay, everything that most all of you probably can understand, uh, was getting harder and harder. And we were having a difficult marriage. Um, I eventually fell into Satan's trap, I'm ashamed to say, and I believed his lies that maybe I married the wrong man. Maybe if I traded him in for a new model, my problems would go away. <laughs> Obviously, you know we we know that's all wrong. Um, I strayed off the path that God had chosen for me, but that only my selfishness only led to. Incredible pain and destruction not only for myself but for my entire family. Um, believing Satan's sins led me, Satan's lies, led me to the worst sin of my life and the worst decision of my life. However, there's a happy ending. Um, God had I believe that verse in Jeremiah where God has his plans laid out for you. God had plans for me. No matter how badly I botched it, God was taking me into a different direction. And his plans are perfect, unlike mine. Um, He literally rescued me and lifted me up out of the total cesspool I had made of my life and my family's life. Um, Jesus is the kindest, most loving, most forgiving God we could ever have or want. And I repented from everything. I turned from my ugly sin back to Jesus. And I can say without a doubt that Jesus restored me fully and... Fortunately, our marriage our marriage is so much better today than I could have ever expected or believed it could have been, and I don't know how I did it because it's a miracle, but we are happily married today. Our kids are still with us today, and his ways are the only ways, the best ways. Follow Jesus. Don't go on your own. Hmm. Um, I do not like to share this story, because it reminds me of so much shame. But, well, and I also fear that someone said it last time, the rejection of the people that look at me and think, oh, she's a a pretty godly person on the outside. I'm not. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And I can only praise the Lord for what he has done for me to show me how his ways are perfect, don't stray from his way, and continue to look to him for everything that I need. Hmm. Um, But if my story can show just one person how much Jesus loves and cares for each and every one of his children and not to suffer the lifelong consequences that some of these sins have, then it's worth it for me to be up here and and share the ugliness of my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, besides, it's not about me. It's only about Jesus. Jesus is the only thing that matters. Jesus is the only one who is perfect. And I'm just incredibly grateful for him saving me. Um, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, and there's nothing more than I want to do than love him, trust him, obey him, and serve him for the rest of my life.
0: Amen. Amen.
4: Uh, I'm not sure I'm gonna follow all this up. Um, the story doesn't really. The story doesn't end there. Um, I don't have anything written down because in previous times I've written stuff down and it'd be sitting right there and I could never look at it again. So please forgive me if I if I ramble on. But um, our Christian walk, my life is—it's been a journey, and it's 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 a good journey in a sense. And um, you know, even today, God has a sense of humor because. For what we've gone through and what I'll share, um, music really brings me down. Not brings me down, it's what um, opens my heart up and just, you know, things in the first song this morning is, um, I can't think of it, but all the... Uh, heart of worship. Jesus
0: I'm coming back to the heart of worship.
4: Yeah, coming back it's to Jesus. Basically. It's all about you, Jesus. No. Thank you. It's no. all about you. And um, so anyhow, all that said, I did too grow up in a Christian home, grew up in a Methodist church, was baptized as an infant. Um, I attended church until I was 16. It never really, I don't remember the gospel being talked about a lot. I remember God and, and Jesus and things, but I don't really remember. Um, I believe I made a profession of faith. When I was 16, but I, it just, it's just its kind of foggy. Um, I didn't attend church after that. Um, my mother was a strong Christian, and I feel like I'm going to repeat a lot of what's already been said, but I remember her always saying, The Lord has a plan for your life. And um, so, anyhow, after that, um, you know, like I said, I didn't attend church. I wasn't li- really living a godly life by any stretch. Um, I met Joyce, and she asked me to you know, go to church with her. We started dating in July of, uh, of 83. And I think it was about October. She had asked me several times and, um, but she didn't push it. And I agreed to go to church. So I did. And shortly after I was in church, I mean, the first hymn was played, Holy, Holy, Holy. And I knew exactly what was missing in my life. I mean, I was, I just felt like this is where I was supposed to Hmm. be. And, um, Shortly after that, uh, there was a couple fellows came and and spoke to me about the gospel and explained the saving faith of Jesus and the dying on the cross and everything—the whole gospel—and it was very eye-opening. And um, because I, you know, I thought you know the way to heaven was you know I didn't kill anybody, I you know (laughs) hold doors open for old people, and now I am one. Um, (laughs) So you know, explained it, but that night it was it was. It was a lot to take in, and I, you know, I really wasn't sure. I was living a lifestyle that I thought I enjoyed, but I, you know, and it was just it was a little much at the time. So, but the Lord started working on me, and I can, you know, I can definitely relate to free will and and, and predestination both um, in different ways. Um, but they gave me a little book, the Gospel of John, and I think it was in January, sometime shortly after Christmas. I started reading this book at night and I was reading it every night, and shortly thereafter, um, within a month, you know, I got down on my knees and I accepted Jesus into my heart, or renewed he knew my faith, I can't, you know, really say, but that was, you know, that was a great feeling. There was, you know, a lot lifted off my back at that time. Um, we married, you know, in, um, in October of 84, we were both very active in the church over the years, and it, it did. It had its stresses and strains. Um, you know, the Lord continued to bless us. Um, Joyce and I have been through a lot. And in 2013, um, when we, you know, had had to leave the church for various reasons and things. It just, it really didn't sit well with me, you know. And it, I mean, it, it hurt me more than anything. I was just so sad and depressed that, you know, we're serving Jesus. It's not about us. How could we do this? And not that I'm innocent or anything. I'm just as guilty and sinful as the next person. Um, but after that, you know, I, I, um, we, we did go to another church, but I really had checked out. And, you know, I too had started, I'd made some, some very poor choices, and, um, you know, it was once somebody shared, I'd, it's not really an analogy in a sense, I'm not sure exactly what you would call but he just, he used this, he, he spoke of, a, of an auction, and the auctioneer was there, and um, Satan attended also. And there was these various tables set up with different things. And on one table was the fruit of the spirits, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all those things. On the other table there was uh, acts of the sinful nature, the sexual immorality, debauchery, hatred, discord, selfish ambition, all those sort of things. And the thing was, you could only bid on one item. (laughs) And um, the auctioneer asked Satan, he said, you know, looking at this table, the nature," he said. "Which one of these would you like to bid on?" Him. He just looked around and looked over on another table over in the corner. Was this old rusty wedge sitting there? And he said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna bet on that wedge." And the auctioneer says, "On the wedge?" He says, "You got all these things that you like right here, but you know." And he said, no, nah, I'll, I'll bid on that wedge." He said, "That's all I need." He says, "All I need to do is make a little bit of crack, and I got everything on that table," <laughs> and um. So that was, you know, that was my story in a sense. And over a period of years, you know, um, I too made some some poor life choices. And fortunately for my family, and when you get yourself into those situations, you know you're in a bad situation. I I hate to admit it, but I was I was walking a life of flesh. Now I turned my back on God, and I was doing what I wanted to do, and. Um, It's a battle because you want a way out, but you know the way out is going to be ugly and there's going to be people hurt and you, you know, you try to figure this out. Like, how can I get myself out of this mess without anybody ever knowing? And and we just go back to life is normal. Well, you know, I spoke of free will and, you know, God gives us a free will, I believe. And, um, you know, he will allow you to choose your sin, but you can't choose the consequences. And God loved me enough that he finally said, this is kind of slangish if that's a word, but it was like, all right, buddy, I've seen enough out of you. And he just slapped me across the head. And that was, you know, once again, that was a, a weight lifted off of me. And um, I can't say it was, it, was, it was easy, but I was, I was very grateful. Um, I'm thankful for my family. That was a period of, of back in 2014 through 16, 17. Um, I since had, had um, you know, asked for forgiveness, repented of my sins, and have been walking with the Lord um, once again. I'm very thankful for that. And I pasted a lot of the things in the very beginning. Um, about this, this church and things. We attended another church for a while, and I never really felt at home that much. And when she invited us here, I think the best way for me to describe it, it was just like when I went into this other church for the first time. I felt this is where the Lord wanted me. I felt at home the very first service. It was an outside service in the fall of um, October of 2020. Everybody was friendly. I knew some people here in a roundabout way. Jesse came up, introduced himself. And um, we're just thankful to now call this our home. And just all the praise, glory, and honor goes to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
0: Amen. 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 (laughs) Congregation, will you please uh, show your support for these brothers and sisters of ours by standing up and uh, repeating the words that we're going to put up on our screen here. we welcome you with joy and affection to this household of faith. We pledge to you our help and our prayers so that we can all increase in the knowledge and love of God. We trust God for strength to follow with you in Christ's way, keeping together the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Amen. Amen. So, we th- while we get things set up up here, I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. They're going to lead us in, in what will be our last song, and then we're going to have uh, our baptism right after that. So, worship team, come forward. Elders, if you'll join me up here as well. And, uh, congregation, will you sing with us? Give us clean hands.